Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hi guys and girls, and thanks so much for tuning into my podcast. Today's episode is an exciting one where you will get a unique insight into the mind of one of the absolute best players in the world at the moment, Anas Antonsen. Obviously, I already knew Anas pretty well, but after talking to him for this episode, I understand even better why he's performing at such a high level. So I really hope you guys will benefit from listening to Anas today. Before we get to the interview, I just quickly want to thank my two news patrons, Dennis and Elgatasia, for joining the team of supporters. We're on 32 patrons now, just 18 shy of my 2020 dream goal of reaching 50, and I appreciate each and every one of you so much. Remember, you'll be part of a draw for a box of 12 vitamin wells and a box of face masks if you sign up this month. As always, the place to do it is patreon.com slash beatingnews. Now, let's get going with the one and only Anas Antonsen. My guest today dubbed himself the next one after winning Scottish Open some years ago, but I think it's certainly fair to call him the current one right now, as despite being 23 years old, my guest has already got a rich resume in terms of badminton glory. Ranked number three in the world, winner of Indonesia Masters and Denmark Open, winner of the European Games and a silver medal at the World Championships last year, just to highlight a few. There's no doubt he will win more in the future though, so today I'll try to pick his brain to find out just why that is. Anna Sandsonsen, welcome to A Young Tour with Vitting Hoops. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's my pleasure, Mr. H.K. Wittinghus. Thank you so much. It's, it is really my pleasure, Anna. So I cannot wait to pick your brain for all the brilliant stuff I know you, uh, you have in mind. Just first, to, I, I presented you by saying uh, you, you dubbed yourself the next one in, in Scottish Open uh, some years ago. And I'm always wondering, like, are you tired of that? still hanging around or do you think it's actually a, a cool thing that you said it and now you have also proven to to be the next one um i would say that i don't hear it um so much anymore um so i don't i don't think about it too much um but i mean a few years ago it was it was a thing that i will i was being called the the next one um but yeah, to be honest, I don't think so much about it, and I haven't heard it in a while. Um, it's still uh, it's on my Instagram. It still says the next one. Um, I might change it to to something else. Um, you just called me the current one, so that 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 is a possibility that I that I switch to that. It sounds uh, sounds a little bit better. Um, but no, it it was fun at the time. Um, I got a lot of attention um after that you know that statement um and uh, yeah that was fun um so yeah yeah and you you told me just before we uh, we started recording that you uh, you actually you were speaking english in your uh, your dinner uh, the last two nights with uh, with some of your friends just to work on your english and back when you uh, when you said this uh, next one uh, you also tried to say uh, 
to say a very certain word, and I'm not going to say it now, but I want you to say the word. I want to see if you you know how to pronounce it. So, so what's that word, Anas? Um, so what I said uh, at the interview was, uh, I think it was compatroids. Um, That's correct. But, but the word is, um, if I'm not mistaken, it is pronounced compatriots. Yeah, that is absolutely right? correct. Yeah, so good. So your English is getting better. My English is getting slowly better and better. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't study. Uh, I just watch a lot of um, YouTube and movies, of course, and hear a lot of music, which is uh, mainly in English. So it is, uh, I think it's, it's improving slowly. Um, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And just one final question before we uh, get into the more serious stuff of the interview, Anas. How do you feel after that Demagom win and uh, a couple of weeks uh, holiday? You had two or three weeks off afterwards, right? Yes, uh, that's right. Um, the week after the Demagom, I was in, in Denmark. Um, but then I went to Greece for, I think it was uh, it was 10 days. And um, yeah, I... I, I had a good good vacation there. I had a good time. Um, it was nice to you know get away from Denmark for a little while because since this uh, Corona thing started, um, we have been in, in Denmark uh, all the time. And I'm usually, uh, as you know, I travel a lot and I enjoy being on the road. Um, and I enjoying I enjoy visiting different countries and you know different cultures and um, so it was great um getting some vacation first of all but i also feel uh, back to your question i feel really great after the demago uh, it was a huge achievement uh, of course and i was happy to get a to get a victory again it's been a little while um last time i won was in in january 2019 um so even though this was under you know different circumstances than than usual uh, i was uh, really happy to to get a win and on home soil is uh, it's just making it even more special so feel good talking about doing it under uh, different circumstances and that's actually the perfect crossover to the first topic i want to uh, discuss with you today because I think one of the uh, big strengths in, in your game, uh, apart from the fact that you're one of the most clever uh, players on tour, I've told you that many times before, but I think one of the, the other really big strengths you have is your mindset and your attitude is, it, yeah, is top-notch. It's, it's one of the best in, uh, in the world of uh, badminton. And I also got a lot of questions from fans about it, actually. I have one from uh, a guy called PP Nai. Uh, who asked what gives you this solid mindset and self-confidence because he believes that that always stands out in you w- would you agree with me that it, it, it's a strength of yours with the with your mindset and and your attitude and, and that sometimes gives you gives you the edge against the other players who are maybe just as skillful or even more skillful um that's this i mean i definitely believe that that I'm, that I'm, I definitely feel that I have some strengths when it comes to, I don't know, my mindset or, you know, the, the mental aspects of the game. Um, but it's also a really, I don't know if this is the, the wide words for it, but it's a really wide 
term. I mean, uh, what is mental strength? Is it, it is a lot. Uh, it, it can be many different things. So I don't really know where to start um, right. on that question. But, but yeah, if, if, if you can be a little bit more specific. Yeah, sure, sure. I can, I can. Like, the, I'm wondering if it's something you feel like comes natural to you or do you focus specifically in training, for example, on your attitude and mindset or is it something that just comes natural to you when you play matches or do you actually work on your mindset in, in daily training and match practice and, and so on? Or, or is it just something yeah, that comes, comes natural to, to Anas and something that, that you're just cool on court and uh, yeah, really great at, at focusing? Like, I think a, a great example is the fact that you're always performing well in Estoras and Ayan in Indonesia where there's so many uh, things going on with the crowd and the noise and the wind and everything. And you, you made the final in, I think, three events in a row, the Indonesian Masters twice and Indonesia Open once. And I think just, it just shows that you, you have this ability to keep your head calm and focus on, on the right thing. So I guess what my question is, is do, do you focus on it daily in your, in your training that you need to work on your mindset as well? Or, or is it a more natural thing for you to be good at? Um, I think I, I have learned um, I, have, I have learned that through some different experiences. Um, I mean, to, to, to start off uh, with, with the question about confidence, I've, I don't know where, where it comes from, but I've always been really com- uh, confident in my, uh, in my abilities when it comes to, to my badminton. Um, I don't know where it comes from. I've been asked that many, many times uh, in the past. And it's difficult for me to, to, to totally answer. Um, but I would also say that for me, it's <laughs> maybe it's all, I mean, it, why, why wouldn't I have a lot of confidence? I mean, I've always been really, really good at playing badminton. Um, always been, you know, the best in my age group or even the, the age group uh, above uh, my own. Um, so why wouldn't I have a lot of confidence? And I've, I mean, showed to myself and to everyone many, many times now that, that I'm good at, at doing this. So it's, for me, it's quite obvious that, mm. I mean, why not? Um, and back to, back to the other question about, you know, keeping calm and, and, and those type of things. Um, I think I've learned that actually in the stores and I am, um, the year where I, where I won in 2019 in January, um, I was struggling with a bunch of things. Um, I couldn't really breathe well. It was the, the first time that I've experienced that. I just came from uh, three or four weeks in India. Um, I don't know if, if, if it was because of the, you know, the air quality not as good as in, in India as it is uh, other places. So I, I was struggling to, to breathe. Um, and um, what I did was I really had to focus on on breathing, uh, and I was focusing on, you know, keeping keeping my energy. On. I I didn't want to spend any energy on you know being loud on the court and running around shouting and stuff like that. So that was I mean I turned over a new leaf um, at that tournament. I I kind of learned how to control my breath and control my emotions and i learned that i should f- 
focus on only only playing badminton, only focus on the the um, the tactic uh, and the mental aspects of the game. Um, yeah, use all my energy on that. And also, as as you mentioned, it is a loud place and it's it's a difficult place to play. And you just need to you need to be able to to stay calm in there and control your your emotions. And um, it's difficult to think. So I think I, I I've learned many things um, from playing in Estoril Nine and that situation with my breathing problems and stuff like that. So yeah. So you actually feel that if you uh, if you start uh, like shouting and being more expressive in, on court, that that takes away maybe just a little bit of your your focus, and you cannot afford to do that if you you want to beat the the best players. I think if you go back and, and watch some of my matches from from the past, mm. um, go back to when I was maybe eighteen or nineteen years old, I was really loud on court. I enjoyed. You know, putting on on a show, and I enjoyed shouting and being loud on the court. Um, but then you just learn from playing against the best players in the world. Where well, I got my ass kicked, of course, uh, when I just arrived to to the super serial level. Um, I think I learned the hard way that you can scream and shout and 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 act uh, weird all you want. You're not going to to beat Li Chongwei, Ching Long. The best players in the world. Uh, by doing that, you have to be better at playing badminton. Um, so, I think I learned it uh, the hard way. Uh, I learned from the best players in the world that um, that it it might work on you know, you know the, the the circuit or what do we call it the European tour. Um, it does not work against the absolute best players in the world. Uh, so yeah, I learned it from. Yeah, I, I, I remember a very specific match in the, I think it was at Denmark Open where you played against the Chin Chin Cho where you were on fire, absolutely on fire and you were shouting and everything. I'm not sure if it was the same year you also played Huang Yushang or maybe the, the next year. But you, you had a couple of matches in Denmark where you were like so expressive and shouting and everything and it was like, uh, yeah, you just died in the, the third game against Cho that you couldn't keep your focus. Uh, and it makes perfect sense now that I when I look back at it, and then compared to what what you say now that that you you learned it after uh, matches like like those, right? Yeah, I, I've learned to be you know calculated um, when it comes to to everything. When it comes to my energy, especially um, a badminton match is it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. And if you blow it all out uh, in the first game, you 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 will have a a tough time winning winning uh, the second or or maybe the third game. So. Yeah, you have to be you have to be calculated. Um, yeah, so that's a good lesson. Mm. And I just want to go back to something you said about your, uh, you know, like why you wouldn't be confident. I think it, you had a really good point that you you've always been good and you've been successful uh, no matter what level you play that. But a lot of players has been uh, have been successful during the junior years and also in, in the senior years, but they get, seem to get affected by bad results and then go down for a period to me it doesn't seem like you you get affected in the same way so how do you deal with periods where you where you don't perform to the level you you know you can or where you get frustrated how do you deal with that to to keep your confidence so high um that's a that's a good question i will i will start 
I would start out by saying that it's, it's I think it's often misunderstood. Um, I mean, it's often, I, th I think people have the perception of me being, you know, overly confident and never feel nervous or anxiety or anything. I mean, I definitely feel those things as well. Um, but what might separates me from a lot of other players is how, how I handle it. So then back to your question, okay. I think it's about, you know, realizing that, realizing what it is. I mean, when you feel these nerves and these emotions that is, that is difficult to explain, um, try to, you know, analyze it, try to recognize it and, and analyze it and, you know, just take it for what it is. I mean, I, I've got to understand that it's just, it's just, you know, emotions <laughs> and they are not really that important. I mean, I often, what I say to myself is that I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm never scared. I mean, I'm often nervous going into a match, but I'm not scared of it. And I actually try to, you know, appreciate when I feel these nerves. Um, for instance, um, at 19-19 in the second game in the Denmark Open final uh, against uh, Rasmus Gamgit recently. Um, I kind of, you know, first thing in the process um, to overcome these things is uh, first of all to recognize, okay, now I feel something. I mean, now I'm getting nervous, I'm getting shaky. I'm thinking about a lot of things that probably not that beneficial for, you know, my chances to win this match um, and then you try to you know react off of them um, I try to you know I try to enjoy the the moment I try to enjoy being stressed and being nervous even though it sounds weird I actually I actually appreciate those nerves those feelings those emotions um, Cause it just, you know, it, I think it's, it, it's exciting to, to go out there and I don't know how to, to phrase it, but it, it develops you as a person and as a player. Um, and once you have, once, once you are, you know, comfortable in the uncomfortable, you are a tough, tough player to beat. And especially in those type of situations. Um, so it's, it's all about, you know, realizing that what, what is the worst that can happen here? Okay, I lose a badminton match, then what? I mean, the world goes on again tomorrow. Um, I mean, yeah, the world goes on and it's not really that bad. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? So I think it's uh, important to analyze it, analyze your emotions and, you know, take it for what it is. I mean, don't... don't um, don't, don't overthink it or yeah, don't, give it too much importance. I, I, I definitely feel that may, maybe the reason why I've, I'm good in those situations is that I've been really overthinking these situations. I mean, I analyze every emotion that I feel during a match. Um, and I have a, uh, I have a small circle of people um, that I talk to about these, uh, these things, these emotions. Um, and that has helped me a lot um, throughout the years. Um, I have a, we can call him a mental coach. Um, Sven O uh, is his name. He's a coach from, 
from uh, my home, hometown Aarhus that I've been working with for, for many years now. Um, and he, he's great at, at you know, he's uh, I think he's helped me a lot. I mean, I don't want to get into, you know, the specific conversations no. that we have. And that's also, we don't have the time for that. I, I, I don't know. No, but that's fine. But it, it also, all, everything you're saying now, again, it ma- makes perfect sense because I see you as a player where the bigger the stage or the higher pressure or uh, like the more difficult the situation is, I see you as a player that, that grows from that. Like like you're, you're not, as you say, you're not scared. You're not running away from it. Uh, on the contrary, you're actually embracing it. So So it makes so much sense. And I think that's, Probably also why yeah, you're also number three in the world, but that's also why a lot of people see you as one of the uh, one of the players that can win, for example, an Olympic gold someday, maybe even in Tokyo, but at some point in your career, because you're, you're not you're not shying away from these uh, these moments, but but it seems like you're you're actually growing off them. Uh, does it take like a certain preparation for you to get into that mindset before the match? Uh, like you, you say, you you always think and analyze about your your emotions so do you actually sit down before a match and, and try to think these emotions uh, through and kind of visualize uh, it on court um no not really i mean i'm usually i i've tried you know every scenario almost um mm. there to 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 experience um so and then, you know, I've learned from that. I've learned from all my matches and I've learned from all the emotions that I've felt through those matches. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of know what to expect. And I would say that at times when I'm facing a certain opponent in a certain situation, I'm prepared for for what kind of emotions that is going to bring um, it could be facing Rasmus in the final, um, which is, you know, he's uh, one of my good friends from from way back, um, and that is that is of course a situation that is going to bring a lot of emotions. Um, and on top of that, it is the biggest match in both of our our lives, maybe uh, one of them for sure. Um, I mean, uh, so I'm even more. How do I, how do I say that? Um, I'm I'm actually preparing myself for these emotions more than you know the tactical stuff <laughs> because I think that I I knew going into to that match that that the whoever could control the emotions the better was probably the guy who was coming out on on top. Um, we know each other so well. We know how to play each other. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, so it was all about, you know, who could stay more calm and he was really, really close. Um, and so I'm not saying that I, I did a perfect job, but, um, yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely preparing for, for the emotions. Um, I would say if that answered your question, I'm not sure. I think it did perfectly. And, uh, I think we will, uh, move on to a different topic now, Anas. The second topic I prepared for today is uh, it's a topic 
Well, I want to to discuss uh, like how important sparring and the training setup uh, you have right now is for for you and uh, yeah your career, but also a little bit about the future uh, for for training setups and uh, and badminton in general. Um, you're part of the national team set up here in uh, in Denmark, and we have a really high level at the the men's singles uh, training, especially. We have a lot of uh, world class players: Victor Axelsen, Rasmus Gimke, you. We used to have Jan for a long period of time, and uh, I used to play at a higher level than I I do now as well. Uh, like, how how important would you say it is to be part of a level uh, a system like this for you? W- would you have been able to? produce the same results had you stayed back in, in Aarhus, for example, where you're from, would it just take longer time or like, is it something you need to have to, to be one of the best in the world, uh, a, a setup like this? Um, uh, I can't say if, I, I believe it's possible to, to be really, really good under a lot of different circumstances. Um, and then, but I would say that I've been really, really blessed to be raised in Denmark um, mm. because, I mean, you, you said it, um, you, you mentioned some of the players that I've been practicing with since I was 18 years old. And that's a big, big blessing. <clears throat> I think a lot of players is, is looking at, uh, you know, the, the setup we have uh, at our national practice um, and, and are quite jealous because it is a really, really good uh, lineup. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Victor Axelsen, Jano Jorgensen, yourself. I mean, it's, it's been amazing and they, I've learned so much from, from playing and practicing with, with, all, with, with you guys. Um, so it's, it's been a big, big blessing and a big advantage. Mm. You you also mentioned it a few times during Denmark Open when uh, you you had to play Jan and you uh, you retired him by uh, beating him in that the quarterfinal. But you mentioned it a few times in the in the interviews that he's been an important uh, figure in, in your career as well. Uh, after you started in in uh, training in the in the national center, C- can you be in any way like specific on a thing that Jan taught you, or is it just something like, is it just small things uh, that you get every now and then from just being around guys like this or, or are there like certain things where he went in or Victor went in or I did and said something where you thought, Oh yeah, right. That, that's uh, something I'm going to take with me. Or is it just the uh, like small things that are not really specific uh, you get from, from being part of an environment like that? I would definitely say that uh, I, I've learned from from all of you guys uh, a lot. Um, but Yen was really good at you know passing it on. You know all his knowledge, things that he, that he has he has learned through through his through throughout his own career. He was never shy of you know passing on his knowledge, um, and I think he did that you know immediately. Um, some of my first practices that I had on on the national center. He, you know, he started giving me advice, talking to me and, you know, and I mean, it's not, you know, like I had hour long sessions with him talking about everything. Um, but, you know, just here and there giving me a few advice when it comes to uh, my practice, my play, but also how I conducted myself outside of the, of the practice. Um, how I did my everyday life and uh, how I did on tour. I mean, you know, how I conduct myself out there at, at tournaments. So, um, you know, 
I would say that he he was um, he was really good at doing that, and I appreciated that a lot. Um, so for me to you know end his career <laughs> at the Demagome was a special thing for me as well because he has um, he's he's meant a lot to me, um, and I think there was something you know beautiful about me retiring and him and he you know retired Peter Gate at the time mm. and I also think that Peter Gate retired Ken Jonasson uh, our, our our recent coach um, so there was something beautiful about that and I was happy to be uh, you know a part of that and yeah that moment yeah definitely and I think this uh, this aspect you, you mentioned about passing on the knowledge I think that's probably the key in an environment like this and the reason why we can keep it going and has been able to keep it going for so many years because no one is shy of passing it on and now it's your turn and Victor's and, and Gemke's turn to, to do the same and I'm sure with the way that you've been uh, taught in Bonbu that you're also going to pass it on to the uh, future generations but that's many years in the past because you're still uh, yeah you're still young guys all of you yeah yeah I mean um even though you said I'm still young, I'm only 23 uh, years old. Um, we already seen some of the, you know, some of the, the upcoming Danes um, at at our national practice. Um, guys that are what are they, 16, 17, 18 years old. And you know, I'm thinking back at when I was that age and had some of my first practices at the national center. Um, I remember the emotions of being, you know, a little bit nervous to play with, with you yourself, Victor and, and Jan. Um, I mean, that was a huge thing for me. Um, and I remember, you know, really appreciating, you know, how you guys uh, treated me and, you know, you've always been good guys, all of you. So I would like to do the same to, to the upcoming players, you know, pass on the knowledge and um, hopefully we can help Denmark as well to to still be able to produce a uh, world class uh, men's single players. That would be uh, that would be an honor for me to um, yeah to do just to pass it on. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you'll be great at it. As you said, we already had a taste of some of the young guys, and uh, they are definitely on the uh, the right path to uh, to become great players. What I was going to ask you uh, just before you interrupted me, which you're always welcome to do, Anas, you're the, you're the star of the show. Uh, I wanted to to know if you ever feel like uh, like you're, you're talking about this training setup being uh, very uh, motivating to be uh, to be part of. But I've experienced, especially in my later years, that sometimes it can also be demotivating, actually, because if I had really bad days where I don't feel like I can move or I feel like I play terrible, and then I look on the next court and there is Victor Axelsen and he's playing like a, an absolute beast, or you or Gemke is flying around court. Do you ever have that feeling where, where it can be a little bit demotivating, where you feel like you will never be able to play the shots the way Victor does or you will never be as explosive or fast as, as someone else or, or do you always just see it as a positive challenge? Um, I definitely see it as a really positive thing um, to be able to have that world-class sparring every day. Um, um, I mean, when it comes to comparing myself and Victor or Rasmus or yourself or Jan back in the days, <laughs> um, um, I don't really do that. I understand that we are total different players. Uh, we have different styles. Um, 
So I don't really, I mean, I definitely try to learn from everyone. I mean, if, if you do something great, uh, I'll try to, you know, analyze it. And maybe it's something that will work in my own, own game as well. Um, but I like to, you know, take inspiration from, from every player. Uh, it could be a doubles, doubles player as well, or mixed double players. And there's so many things to learn in this game, which is one of the things that makes it an amazing sport, in my opinion. It's um, it's so complex. Um, and now I kind of, you know, really, really can't remember what you asked. <laughs> no, but it's fine. I think I think you answered it perfectly. Actually, uh, you you basically answered that you you don't. Uh, you don't see it as demotivating in, in any way and i think we also in in different uh, stages of uh, of our careers uh, so maybe it, that's it, why it's definitely not demotivating to to have that world-class sparring um, i don't i don't know if that was what you meant but i mean there i definitely have yeah just yeah uh, it's it's maybe maybe not the right word but like it, it can be hard to have a really bad day where i feel old and slow or something like that and then then just watch on the next court and see everyone just uh, flying around but demotivating is maybe a, a harsh word because i like you i enjoy the atmosphere and the training and the environment and i know i'm also a product of that but i, I definitely get a lot of energy from uh, from seeing that from seeing you know victor showing up uh 45 minutes before practice you know already being there stretching using his foam roll doing all sorts of weird warm-up stuff <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely you know i i gain motivation from that as well you know and that's the, the the beautiful thing is that we we push each other so hard in practice every day and and if i'm doing a good round uh two against one against victor and rasmus for instance they want to do just as good or even better, you know, right after. So we, we have a, you know, it's, we're working together, but it's all also competitive at some point. We want to, you know, to, to, to do the best we can and do better than the others also. Um, so um, it's, I think it's really, really motivating to be on, on this practice. Uh, yeah. And it's clear to hear that you you're quite happy with the, the setup as it is like in the training you you think it's motivating you're you're f kind of feeding or uh, feasting off it like you're, you're getting better and better but i'm also curious to know about uh, like how you see the future in terms of this because it, it, it is very difficult to copy a system like this if you don't have the players a system in, in place already and there are some talks here and there about if the tour at some point will be more individually based. So you have your own teams of coaches and physios and maybe some, some sparring players. Do you see that as a, uh, like you also, uh, the younger generation, I, I'm the older one, so I've been used to this forever. But do you see an option for the game and the sport developing in a way where, where we don't see training setups like these, where you, where you gather the entire national team, but you maybe travel in, in smaller groups? Is that, is that something you hope for or, or see as a, a feasible solution in the future? It's, um, it's, a difficult, it's, it's a difficult question. I mean, I've never experienced a setup like that where you, you know, when you hire a coach, hire a physio and hire a few sparring partners and then go somewhere and just practice, you know, with the same two or three, four people every day. I don't know. I don't know if, if it's going to work. Um, I definitely feel that it would be hard to, um, to, to, to make a system or a setup 
that is as good as the one we have right now. Um, I mean, I'm right now number three in the world and Victor is number four in the world. Uh, Rasmus is also, I don't know, top 12, top, top 15, yeah, something like that. that. So, I mean, it's, it's world-class uh, sparring and, you know, We've, we've also been practicing together for so many years that we, we kind of, you know, we know how we want to practice and we have really high demands. And it would not be the same if I called a guy from, I don't know, some country and then a guy from another country and, you know, and then made a small group of, of, of sparring partners. I don't think that they would understand exactly how I want to practice and the intensity that that we demand uh, on, on this level, I think it would be, I think it would be difficult because I mean, we, I, I, I'm under the assumption that we practice really, really differently um, from country to country. Um, you know, the lengths of our length of our sessions and the exercises that we do. Um, it's Intensity. really, really different. It's really, really different. So I think it would be difficult to make a, a setup as good as the one but with that being said it might be you you can might you can might make a setup that is as good i don't know because i've never tried it before but it i mean uh, i mean in tennis they don't have practices like we do so i mean i don't know yeah maybe it is possible and i'm, I'm sure you're not you're not scared of it if if, uh, if it was going to be the, the norm in the future and i think it's definitely more realistic for it to happen in the in the future than it has been in the past because of the money growing in the sport. Now, obviously we've been hit by the Corona virus. So everything is maybe being brought back a few years, but I think definitely in the future, we, we will see more of these individually based solutions. And I think we are also seeing that in, in Asia, but I think hearing all your answers about the, the training system as it is right now, I, I'm also kind of convinced that it is going to be very difficult to copy and it would take some, some time to, uh, to set up something that that's useful in the same way. Yeah. And I mean, as, as you mentioned, it also definitely come that comes down to, to, to the money. Um, because the, the setup we have in, in, in Denmark here in Copenhagen, we have, you know, physio, we have uh, our strength and conditioning coach. Mm. <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, shout out uh, Stuygemas. Um, I mean, we have everything and everything is paid for. And um, there will definitely be a lot of situations we have to handle that we've never even given a thought. Uh, suddenly you have to hire your own coach, might even sparring partners, physio, all, the, all this stuff. So it, it definitely is, 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 is an expensive setup uh, to do. Um, so it also comes down to, to the money if, yeah, it's, it's difficult, I guess. Moving on, Anas, we've already been on for uh, 35 minutes. So to, uh, to get to the final two parts of the interview, we need to, uh, to move on now. And we are going to go to a, uh, a bit more lighthearted topic than the, the two we've just uh, been through. It's been uh, really interesting, but we need to uh, also, uh, also touch on your uh, YouTube channel and your, your social media use. Because uh, I would say from all the questions I got when I told my followers that, that you were going to be my next guest, the one question I had the most time 
uh, most times was when are you going to upload a vlog again so i thought i would uh, let you answer that question when are you gonna upload a vlog to your youtube channel again um yeah it, it is a question that i've also uh, received a lot um and in almost every interview i do i i, I get asked yeah. this question um if i will get back to youtube um I don't want to say, you know, a specific date because I don't want to disappoint anyone. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I definitely, the, the thing about YouTube is that we did these um, tour vlogs when I was playing in Indonesia. We did, you know, the whole week, a new video every day. And um, it seemed like people really enjoyed them and it got quite many views. Um, and I, I felt that it was fun to do. I brought my good friend out there um, and he was recording, I mean, all the time. Um, and, you know, I, I feel that it's a little bit more exciting to do when being out on, on the tour. Um, there's a little bit more to show. Um, and I also want to be excited, excited about the things that we release. Um, and if I was to do, you know, daily vlogs from my life, here in, in Denmark, every single day, it would be the exact same video every Monday and every Tuesday and every Wednesday because, you know, my calendar is just the same. It's practiced twice a day. And I also know that people love to see that even though it's the same. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's just like, I want to be excited about the things that we create and the things that we upload. And um, if I'm not, if, if I don't feel that this is a great video or a great vlog, then I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm not really into putting all the time and the effort into it. Um, so, but I definitely want to, you know, also give my fans what they want and uh, they definitely want some, some content and they want to, you know, see me and how I live and how I do practice on tournaments. So, yeah. I think it's also pretty obvious when you watch the videos, like every single one of them, that you are enjoying it when, when you do it. You have a lot of fun. And obviously when you have one of your best friends with you filming everything, it is just like a like two guys just uh, having fun and, and uh, enjoying enjoying what they do. So it, it, make, it makes great sense that it's, it's more boring in a normal daily uh, routine life as you, as you have right now. And yeah, if you don't enjoy it, then I also think the quality of the videos will, will drop. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I was to do these daily vlogs, it 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 have it has it have to be you know one of my absolute best friends uh, who was you know the the photographer. That's the right right word <laughs> because you know I don't want to have a camera in my face all the time if it's some you know stranger or something. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I mean, it just it it actually takes quite much time to you know make these videos and it's quite a big effort to do um do you do any of the editing yourself no i don't no i don't um no my no i don't oh, all right, all right, all right. but all right i hopefully it will be back on uh yeah back on youtube when uh, we start traveling again in uh, in january or when you start traveling i probably won't travel in january do you have any plans of uh, bringing anyone or is it too difficult with the restrictions and everything? Um, we, we, we've talked about that um, and I'm, I'm going to, to find out whether that's possible to, to bring, uh, to bring uh, my friend Oliver. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm not sure if it's possible. I don't really know how, how the setup is going to be in, in Thailand with, you know, the strict bubble or what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, yeah, so we'll figure that out. But I would also release content from, from you know, our, our practice here in Denmark uh, and, you know, my everyday life. So I'll definitely get back on YouTube. I just have to figure out, you know, how to do it and what is what is fun to do and yeah so but i will get back for sure yeah and I, as i said it, it's obvious to see you enjoying it i think you you've been pretty uh yeah like a natural talent getting your own personality to to shine through uh, i think one of my favorite videos was the one you released in back in february from the uh, european men's team championships like it's a like six or seven minute video and i'm I'm basically laughing uh, through through all of it, so I'll be enjoying uh, when when you get back to uh, to action as well. But I'm also wondering, like, where you get the inspiration for these videos from? Is it from watching all this? I know you're a big uh, MMA uh, MMA fan. Uh, is it from watching videos of of other athletes doing the same, or uh, yeah? How, how did the whole idea start for you, and and where's your inspiration from in this aspect? Um, so I think, um, first of all, I've always been, you know, watching a lot of, uh, YouTube stuff. So, and I've also admired, um, now you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned the UFC, right? Um, mm. yeah. I've al- always admired how these, some of these other sports brand themselves, um, and some different sports personalities, how they brand themselves. Um, and I feel that badminton is behind <laughs> when it comes to, you know, marketing, when it comes to branding, you know, our sport and branding the players and putting on a great show at, at the tournaments. I feel that badminton is behind. Um, and I mean, it also makes sense when you talk about, let's say, for instance, when you talk about UFC, it makes sense that they are putting a huge amount of effort into, you know, promoting and branding because i mean they make them their money uh from pay-per-view so they they need their product to be exciting and to be interesting and good and they need the the customer to you know buy the events um i mean that's not the structure in badminton and i'm i would be interesting to see how they would do if you know if if it was a total necessary for for you for bwf um that the you know the viewers hate something for it or stuff like that i mean i just feel that banton is behind so i've always wanted to you know do something i mean i'm i mean i think it's great that that you have this podcast and you know i want to see stuff like that i want to see activity i want to see people going out there and try to you know promote the sport and that's what i've been trying to do a little bit i'm not perfect at all i'm not even good but I mean, I just want, I would like to see players do something. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I, I think YouTube is such a powerful uh, platform and even more so than a podcast like, like this one. Uh, you, you're, as just, you're saying, you, you watch a lot of YouTube yourself. I think the generation you're from is a uh, is very visual generation, like videos is, is what yeah works with them. So, so I think you're definitely into something, uh, into something here uh, and 
judging from all the questions I got and I can hear from you as well that all the questions you get as well, you are on the, the right track. So it, it's just great to hear that you will carry on at some point and uh, we will all be uh, eagerly uh, awaiting it, even uh, even me and also my wife, Selena. Uh, she told <laughs> me to, to say hi and that she enjoys the videos and missed them. Great. Say say hi back to her and say hi to, to Vincent as well. Uh, your child, it's been a while since I've seen him. Um, I'm curious, is he starting to get taller or still the same height? <laughs> yeah, you say he always looks the same height, but uh, he is growing out of some of his uh, jackets and uh, pants and so on. So uh, I, I think uh, I think he is growing. Okay, that's good to hear. Feed him some, you know, feed him some Hawagoin and some some Wubal, and then he will definitely grow and get strong as you. Yeah, <laughs> sure, I will. I will. Before I uh, send you off to bed, Anas, because it's uh, quite late here in Denmark uh, when we are recording this and you need to be uh, fresh for uh, for training tomorrow when I'm going to uh, toy with you on court. I just have a few uh, listener questions uh, I want to ask you. Uh, I always do this with my guests that my uh, followers get a chance to, to ask you questions and I choose a few of them uh, for you to reply. And it can be about it, anything. It doesn't have to relate to what we just discussed earlier. So I hope you are ready for, for that. Yes, for sure. All right. The first one uh, I chose because I like the question, uh, but I also like his username. He is called uh, Felix Ketchup 7 <laughs> So I don't know if he's a fan of Ketchup and James Bond maybe, but uh, yeah. <laughs> He is. Uh, he's asking, uh, do you think Vitzenhus is a cool dude? And I'm asking it because you once called me boring on, <laughs> uh, on our national uh, TV or uh, their, their uh, website. So do you think I'm a cool dude or do you still find me boring? I think that you are a cool, boring dude, for sure. Um, <laughs> fair. No, That's no, and you're definitely a cool dude, uh, for, sh- for sure. Um, and as I said before, I appreciate that you are, you know, doing stuff like this. I mean, um, I know it's obviously also, you know, for, 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 you know, helping yourself, but it's definitely good for the sport as well. I mean, in, so, so, yeah, you're a cool dude, hence, um, yeah. You are. All right. Now I have that on tape, so that, that's perfect. Let's move on to, to the next one. It's from uh, someone called uh, Dorian T. And uh, the question is, what, what advice would you get to yourself as a, a younger player if you could get yeah, one, one advice to a younger Anas, let's say a 15-year-old Anas? I would say don't even start playing poker (laughs) it's not going to to end up well uh and you will lose more than you're going to win so don't even start um that 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 would be the first thing um i don't know i think i would you know i would tell him that you know things are going to to turn out quite well um just keep your your head in the game um and um you will learn from you know your mistakes and and your experiences um as i feel i have done so i wouldn't you know change much um you know i'm happy with how things have turned out um and it's going so far so 
I don't know, you know, patience. Patience is a, is a good thing, you know, and, and when I was 15, 16 years old, I was uh, quite skinny, quite short, um, didn't have had a, a good physique. And I was, you know, I was, it, it was pissing me off. I mean, I was frustrated about it. And so, but it, um, patience. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's definitely understandable that you are quite happy with how things have uh, turned out. I, I think you've had a pretty uh, decent career on us so far. The third question is from Bastian Borg, and he is simply just asking instinct or game plan. And then he says percentage-wise, like, do you play more out of your instinct or do your game plan and, and follow that? So what, what would you say is more important, your, your instincts or, or your, your game planning? I would say a combination uh, of both. Um, so of what course, would you say percentage-wise? Can you explain that? Like, would you say it's 50-50 in importance or is it like 80% instinct or 20% game plan? I would say it it's more, I would say it's more game plan than instinct. Okay. Uh, but I mean, of course you go into a match with, with a certain game plan. Uh, and you probably also have, you know, a plan B. Um, yeah. But you need to be able to, you know, switch on and off um, and suddenly do something else. Um, if you stick to the same, you know, same strokes and same game plans all, all the time, you know, the, the opponent can, can start to read it. Um, so you need to be able to switch up at just at the right times. So... But, you know, coming in with a game plan and a plan B and maybe a plan C, it's really important. But, you know, instinct is also really, really important. So, yeah. All right. And usually I only do three questions, Anas, but uh, I promised, uh, again, my wife, and this podcast is not about her, but I promised her to ask you one question. Yeah. And that is, if uh, did you learn something from going out in Dubai and did you fully recover yet? <laughs> um. I hope that you have stopped the recording. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm still, re uh, I'm still recording. Question. You're still, I'm still recording. recording. Okay, that's bad. That's really bad. No. Um, All right, Anas, this is I, from back <laughs> when, when we went out with Lindsay Lohan and everything, and I will, uh, I will save you from, from answering it. I will uh, just okay. tell my listeners that that's for a different podcast. <laughs> okay, that, that's cool. Um, yeah, okay, let's do that. Yeah. I just want to say thanks for your time, Anas. It's been a, a pleasure having you on. I just needed to uh, throw you off a cliff there at the end. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope that's okay. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I will look forward to see you in uh, training uh, tomorrow. And uh, yeah, then I, uh, I hope to play you on court as well. And I hope you won't end my career like you uh, hammered and, and ended uh, Jan's. It would, uh, it would be a pleasure and to end your career as well. Um, but uh, no, thank you for having me on your, on your podcast. It's been, uh, it's been, it's great talking to you as always. And um, yeah, head to bed because I'm going to, to kick your ass tomorrow morning. So see you there. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.